son could have been killed. Let me test this. I can't hear you. You see his head? You see the side of his face? Okay. Come on, man. I, I sent him to school to be safe. These people that claim to be your friend, they not your friend. It's you. By yourself. So you got to protect you. From Radical Productions, this is Reaching the Border. One unique story told week by week. I'm your host, Robert A. Douglas. If you're just tuning into this podcast, I suggest you start with episode one, where a riveting tale is told of a teenage boy whose future is altered by the way the local media paints a picture to the public of his actions caught on tape. And of course, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. I just want to see the other young people who listen to this just stay out the way and do what you gotta do to survive. Can you imagine a 13-year-old boy coming up to you begging that you teach him about his rights as a human? That happened to me last year when I taught 6th grade English. A 7th grader, someone not even my student, walked up to me, taller than I and much bigger, with tears in his eyes with this request. I told him, if you let me teach you how to read, you never need anyone to teach you anything else. He was reading on third grade level at the time in the seventh grade, and it was hard, but we did it. Yet, that still was not enough. This same student, now an eighth grader and 14 years old, living in one of the most impoverished and segregated areas of Baltimore, has to catch several buses to get to and from school. His father walks into my office concerned about a recent interaction his son had with the police. In the most hopeless tone, this more than 200-pound man, tatted with scars from knives and bullet wounds covered by ink, expresses concern that his son won't be able to avoid the pitfalls of growing up black, as his son was recently held in cuffs by the police for several hours without explanation, just coming home from school. He is sure his son is targeted because, one, where he lives, two, who he associates with in the neighborhood, and three, because this young man is his son. So I sit down to talk to both to explain the incident and the injustices he experienced on this one occasion that seems to be a normalcy to him at this point. Um, I was going home from school and I was with my homeboy. I guess we had looked like some boys who, I guess one of the boys had a gun, and they grabbed me, my other homeboy Ryan, but I didn't see the point of running if I didn't do nothing. So they had me at a Cold Spring station, sitting with handcuffs behind my back for like two hours, and it was making me upset because like my, my I know my people was running about me, so it like it was making me mad that. I couldn't call them to let them know I was okay or to tell them that what happened. So I guess they had looked at the cameras and saying that the suspect wasn't me after a long period of time. And then they let me go and I called my grandmother and I let her know what happened. And I told her I was fine and I was on my way home. It was like 8 o'clock going on. So when they first stopped you, what did they say to you? 
they didn't say nothing. They, they actually grabbed me. They grabbed me and, like, slung me on the floor. Like, they used, like, excessive force, like, force that wasn't necessary. And they just had my feet on the ground, and they put the handcuffs on me. Then they lifted me up, sat me down, because I was lying down on my stomach. And then they lifted me up and sat me down. And my homeboy at Ryan's was the only person that was really in handcuffs at the time. And when they slammed you to the ground, did you ever ask, like, what was going on? What was happening? No, I told them I didn't do nothing. But I heard them talking about what they thought I did and stuff like that to another officer. And then I was just wondering, like, I just got here, so how how I do any of that stuff? What did they say you did? They said I had a gun, but when they checked me, they didn't find nothing. So... They probably thought that I had put it somewhere and then came back or something. Did you have your uniform and your book bag on at the time? And they never said anything to you? No, they they, they said it loud enough so I could hear. Did they ever pursue your friend? No. Your friend ran and they all stayed with you? No, they, like, two officers went running after him, but they didn't, they didn't, when they came back, I guess the aim was too far, so they, I guess they just let him keep running. Naturally, you understand why your friend ran, right? Even though you two didn't do anything, right? Talk about why you can understand your friend running, even though you didn't do anything. Before he answers, I want to first ask if you understand why. Do you? Do you know what it's like to be viewed as a criminal automatically? First, because of the color of your skin, and second, because of the neighborhood you live in. This isn't conspiracy. In fact, statistics in the first episode mentioned from an article in the New York Times prove it. My life proves it still, today, except I'm a little better equipped with tools other than my feet to avoid the traps set by certain types of law enforcement. Nonetheless, Whenever there are flashing lights behind me, or a police officer is asking me about my presence on a stoop in an urban neighborhood, my initial response is what was ingrained in me at a young age, to run from the police. Um, well, my friend already had charges on his record, so I guess if, because he's on probation, so I guess if he get or go down for something else, he, he going to do at least six to nine months. And I guess he ain't want to do that. But, like, running running in front of police, like, that, that's how we was raised. So, like, if the, if the police coming up to you, you automatically run. Because, like, you, you might not have done nothing, but, like, just the thought of you being in, 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 a, in a police car and handcuffs on you, like, and you didn't do nothing, you innocent, but, like, you don't want to, Tell on nobody else, so you just take the fall for somebody else, even though you ain't do nothing. That's that's like really the worst feeling ever. What did the police look like? Uh, he was he had he was brown skin, and he had a bald head. I knew him from Mark Darman because I always used to go out Mark Darman at the school, because that was like the hangout spot. It still is the hangout spot, but I don't go up there no more. He, he he probably remembered my face, cause when I used to go up Mark Diamond, I used to be wild. It was, 
like it used to be a big crowd of people I used to be with, like at least thirty or forty people. So over met with me. So I guess like he probably thought I was the one or probably just wanted to pick on me for the stuff that I did back then. Like last year when I went to Montgomery. And so you said they held your handcuffs for two hours. Were you on the curb or were you in the police car? Where were you? I was in um Cool Spring Week where all the buses are coming in. Sitting on the curb? Mm-hmm. I guess they was really take me down the buttons or something, but they looked at the camera. I mean, one police officer came to talk to me, like, but that was like later. Like like it was it was a it was a brown lady with um she had a a gap and she had uh her head was to the side. So she uh kinda talked to me. She was nice for real. She was the only one that was nice. She was like, um she asked me did I did I have a weapon? I was like no lie. And then she she just started talking about like like her her sons and the stuff they do knowing they mother a police officer and she was like she don't wanna see me going down that path and I told her I wasn't gonna go down that path and I just I told her that I had came from school and then she was like she be saying me sometimes. I'd be like I was like, What you be saying me? Yeah, she was like all up and down here. I was like, I don't really get into much. I just be chilling. I live around here. And what was going through your mind um, this entire time when you were thrown to the ground, handcuffed? I was like, that, like that's that's petty. Like they, they, I, I think they knew that I ain't do nothing, but like they just wanted to pick on me because I guess they just saying that I, they, I had my uniform on, and then my white shirt and my tie. He just wanted to mess with me for real. He's right. Racial profiling seems to be a top method of policing in urban communities. Why else would these brown male police officers attempt to stop a young man with a shirt, tie, khakis, and hard bottom shoes for fitting the description of a man reported for having a gun? Now once is he spoken to by any of the officers that stopped him to explain anything other than the female officer he remembers in detail. Note that the males that treated him as less than human, he can barely remember. But the one that treated him with kindness and respect related to him as a child, he remembers vividly and even takes time to explain that he isn't the person he is perceived as by the police. Nevertheless, his attire was not enough of a reason for him not to be thrown on his face and searched. His resistance to his natural instinct to run accounted for nothing either. And even worse, his lack of possession of the weapon they suspected him of having did not cause the cuffs to come off any sooner. They wanted him to violate his own rights and give them a reason to arrest him for something. Do you think they wanted to um, mess with your friend as well? Yes, but... My friend, he 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 already knew what was going on. They caught me from behind. I had turned my back to see where my friend was going. They grabbed me, grabbed my arms, and they um had swung me down to the ground. And my feet was like on the ground, and they had just put the handcuffs on me. Is that the first time you've had an encounter like that with the police? 
No. Like, um, growing up around my, around my way, Park Heights, it's like, it's police around there 24-7, so you, you bound to have an encounter with the police. I mean, I ain't never been at handcuffs, but they, like, chasing us and stuff. I, I, ain't, I ain't never. That, that was one of the first times I probably, like, actually ain't run. You get out of school at 3 o'clock. You said you got home around 8? Yes. You got off the bus around what time? Probably 4, 4.20. And then they finally released you around what time? 8. So that's almost three and a half hours. How did your grandmother feel when you got home? Well, she was around my grandfather at the time. And my grandfather got a condition with his heart. So, like, he can't take, like, certain, like, Stress. Yeah, so, because he can have a heart attack and die. She, when, when I called her, she, like, she had, she had, like, a, I knew my grandmother, so she not going to have a type of voice with, like, okay. So I knew she was around him. My grandma would have flipped out at me. So she, like, are you okay? Are you, are you fine? I was, like, Yeah. She was like, I'm gonna call your father and tell him what happened. She I told her to um to pick me up and then she came to get me from where I was at. And then we was just talking about it. Went the whole way home. And what was that conversation like? She was talking about my surroundings and the people I hang with. She was talking about how the boy shouldn't have left me and how I shouldn't be hanging with the people I surround myself with because they nothing but trouble. But I, I had told her, like, I was only with one person, and, and I was with that person the whole time. And we didn't do nothing at all. And then she was like, still, I'm labeled a threat to uh, the police, just me being a black male myself. And then she was just saying, like, I, my grandfather was worried about me. He couldn't sleep or anything. Because my grandfather got to go to sleep during the day because he worked at nighttime. And... So he couldn't sleep enough, so he went to work tired. Your father, he's had run-ins with the police, too, before, like, growing up, right? How did he feel about this situation now happening to his son? Um, He, he really don't want, want me going down the same path. He want me to be better than he was, and he, he want me to try. That's why I guess he, he didn't tell me he was coming up here, so he, when he came up here, it was a surprise to me. He wanted to see what I was doing, and, and when I don't know that he coming up here, he wanted to see what I get into. And I was surprised when I seen him coming in the room. But I, I was doing my work. I was just like, 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 why is he up here? Yeah, he just don't want me going down the same path he went on. You know, I'm not going to go down that path. There's nothing pretty about it. Like, there's nothing cute or pretty about losing homeboys when you're young. So how have you been able to deal with that situation since it happened? Is it affecting you at all? Um, n- not really. It's not affecting me, but it's affecting my family. It's like they they saying, like, what this world could do to you. They've been talking to me about it, but, like, they, they real heavy on it now. My grandmother called me, like, at least three times when I'm on the bus making sure I'm straight, making sure I'm all right. And... I mean, I love her for that, but I just be having to let her know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm all right, man. Like, I'm, I'm on the bus, I'm on the way home. She hate it when I'm outside. But when I want to go to my mom's house, 
my mother, she like, she the, she give me freedom, more freedom than my grandma did. She be one, she ride me on and she give me all these lectures about how to be better. And she tell me when I get over my mother, how don't be acting up and, and be a better you. So you remember last year uh, when you were in seventh grade, you asked me to, to teach you what your rights were. Mm-hmm. Did that influence how you responded to this situation at all? Yeah, because I kind of knew that like the police, they got to tell me what I did or if I'm being detained or not, but they didn't tell me none of that. But I, I, I didn't take it no further than that because I was just trying to get out of the situation and go about my business. If you would have ran, what do you think I would have done to the situation? Uh, it probably would have been worse because I would have got away, but, like, I'm going to always bump heads into them because, like, they, they know where I be, so they they just want to probably come looking for me when they bored or, yeah, next time it, it could have been just worse, so I'm glad I, I got that over, but, but they, they might still try to mess with me or, or anything when they see me. And how does that make you feel? Uh, it, it made me feel like, I'm 15, I just turned 15, and they are already trying to label me, and I don't even do half the stuff that they say I be doing, like, like, stuff ain't, stuff ain't always the same, like, you can, you can see somebody doing this, but the whole time, you just looked at it wrong, like, like, that's not really what he doing, maybe he was doing something else. Do you feel like this is something you have to face often? I mean, I've been in the house lately. For real, because all my homeboys been getting locked up for real, so it's only a couple of us left. So I just feel as though if I stay in the house and stay out of the way, then can't nobody, you feel me, like label me as a bad kid or a kid that need to be in jail. What types of things are your friends getting arrested for? Uh, Carl Jack and one of my friends got arrested for attempted murder. The rest of them is like, Petty cases like carjacking and assault and stuff like that. It's, it's a story I can tell my kids when they get older and tell them how to go about the situation. So I'm glad I got to go through it so I can, I can tell my family and my kids what you can do to stay out of the way or not go through what I went through. And do you think this would be an issue for your children even? Or do you think this is something that would stop eventually? I mean, I hope not. I hope I hope it's, it'll be a change soon, but if it don't, then at least they know how to go about the situation. What would it take for something like that to change? I think the young people can change that for real. Cause like, I mean, it is a lot of murders in the city, so I mean, they definitely, like, the guns and stuff, that, that definitely need to be taken away. What can I say? As a teenager, one of his first lessons considered to teach future generations is the proper way to deal with police. Can we say that this applies to all groups in an impoverished society even? Absolutely not. And the fact that at 15, these types of interactions have become normal tells me that this young man's perceived numbness will one day land him on the border. How can we shelter your son, or even my son, from the same mental torture. Until next time.